Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Shauna and Lauren sharing that song with us. We thank you, Lord, for the blessed hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We thank you for, we thank you for the promise of life even in death and we thank you for victory in Jesus and we thank you for the promise of the resurrection. We look forward to those days for all eternity being with you. What a joy it is to be saved, to know the Lord Jesus Christ and to have eternal life. We celebrate tonight, we celebrate your, your, your salvation, your grace and your mercy to us in all of our circumstances and all the ways and situations of our life. So we come tonight uh, in the middle of the week, and we come with various kinds of emotions and feelings and experiences that we've had today and in the days leading up to our time together. So here, here we are, here we are with all of our circumstances and situations. Here we are with all the things that are blessing us or troubling us. We thank you that you meet us there. We can come near to you. We can pray. We can speak to you about our needs. And you hear us. And we thank you for that. We pray that tonight you would help us as we fellowship around your word and that we might uh, clearly understand what it is you have to say to us as we think about the Christian life and what it looks like to be a Christian and to have Christian character. We thank you for the truths of the Lord Jesus that we, we learn them, we live by them, and we practice them in our daily life. So bless us now as we spend our time in your word and we thank you for the privilege to do that. We pray for all that's going on on this campus tonight, the many different groups that are meeting, <clears throat> teenagers, students, and children, and our choir and other Bible studies all, all across this place. Bless all of our teachers and all who lead. And may we honor and glorify you. May you be pleased with what we do here as a church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, good evening. Good to see all of you. And if you did not pick up an outline, you might want to do that there at the back and also I believe some right here. If you're a guest with us tonight, we're honored to have you. Uh, please uh, come by and say hello if you're, uh, before you get away and let us know who you are so we can be better acquainted with you. Matthew chapter 5 is where we are. We're continuing to think about the nature of Christian character. What does it look like to be a Christian? Well, the Lord gives us that answer in Matthew 5. Let's read Matthew 5, beginning in verse number 1. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall, be, they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who, who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word. 
May the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So what does the character of a Christian look like? Verse three, being poor in spirit. Verse four, mourning. Verse five, gentleness. Verse six, hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Verse seven, merciful. Verse eight, purity in heart. Verse nine, peacemakers. Verse 10, being persecuted for righteousness sake. All of these things describe for us these qualities of blessedness as we talked about. What does, what does the Lord say at the beginning of each one of these? Blessed, blessed. God, is, God blesses the poor in spirit is another way you can read it. God blesses those who mourn. God blesses those who are gentle. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. God blesses the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemaker, and the persecuted. The blessedness of God. We spoke about this a few weeks ago. I hope that you're living in the joy of blessedness. The greatest privilege of all about being saved is that you live in blessedness. You live in blessedness regardless of your circumstances. You live in blessedness regardless of the situations that you face in your life. Well, tonight we come to see the second quality, the second characteristic. These are the qualities of being a Christian. This, this is what it means to be a Christian. I want to make it clear. If you're saved here tonight, these are the qualities that are found in your life and mine. So we saw last week that only the poor in spirit go to heaven. Only the poor in spirit go to heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I gave it here to you on the outline. The poor in spirit recognize their sinfulness. But quickly we come to verse 4. A blessed, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And so tonight we talk about the mourner. And the focal truth around which I want to build my th talking to you about this is this. This is a very important truth. This is something you need to... Think about it. It's true in your life whether you know. This is, wonderful. this is a wonderful thing about God's Word. The Word of God teaches us truths that we don't even understand, that we're experiencing, but we don't even understand. They're so profound and so powerful. Here's this focal truth. Believers, I put it at the top of the page, believers mourn for their sinfulness while God comforts the mourner. This is the blessedness of being a Christian. As we mourn for our sinfulness, God comforts us in our mourning for our sinfulness. You see, the Lord is helping us understand this matter of dealing with sin in a serious way. My friends, we all must remember that we, the way our attitude towards sin affects our spiritual life. Now, I'm looking around here, you're all faithful to be here. You're all here on Sunday mornings. Uh, and I'm glad. And what are we talking about these days in blessed assurance? Well, we've been looking at we've been looking at self righteousness, self assurance, and self deceit. Those things will keep you out of heaven. Those are the things that make for hypocrites. Those are the things that that make for Pharisees. I read it to you again because it's very important. Because the way you deal and the way you think about sin, I'm going to use this word: the way you feel about sin. That's right, feelings say a lot about 
your spiritual condition. So what do we read here? Well, I'm just going to read it again. It's in 1 John 1. You know it. If we say uh, that we have fellowship with God and walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But then he goes on to say, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The saddest thing in the world is for uh, people to not take sin seriously. And that's the world we live in. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. But what's the great verse? If we confess our sins. In order to confess my sin, I have to know that I'm a sinner. In order to confess my sin, I have to admit that I sin, even as a saved man or woman. So tonight I want you to uh, be challenged with these words because these words uh, are important for us to understand. So what does it mean to mourn in verse number four? Blessed are those who mourn. Well, the actual word means to lament. It means to have great sadness and sorrow. It is lamenting. It is a deep, deep emotional feeling of sadness. Have you had a deep emotional feeling of sadness about your sin? <clears throat> We've heard the gospel preached most of us in America so long that uh, <clears throat> it's, <clears throat> it's become rather routine. So someone says, well, of course everybody's a sinner, almost in a nonchalant way. But do we know the sinfulness of sin? Do we know the corruption of sin? Do we know the condemnation in sin? Do we know that sin will take you farther than you want to go and cause you greater pain than you can ever imagine? So the Lord brings us to this matter of being poor in spirit, recognizing our sinfulness. See, I can't be saved if I don't admit that I'm a sinner. You know, this is it, the Roman road. How many of us in here? We've been soul winning all of our lives. First thing when I talk to people about it is, do you, do, you do, you, do you know that you're a sinner? I'm not a sinner. I don't, need, I don't need to be forgiven. I make mistakes, but I'm not a sinner. Mass murderers and, and other people that do terrible things, those are sinners. I'm, I'm just a... Average person, and I make a few mistakes, but I'm not a sinner. You cannot be saved unless you recognize your sin. You won't go to, only the poor in spirit go to heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I'm asking you, to, this isn't an exercise here tonight for us just to have a Bible lesson and like we're in school, check it off, and we've heard the words. I'm trying to push you, I'm trying to prod you. Have you taken your personal sin seriously? Do you know I am a sinner born into sin, guilty of sin, and even as a saved person, I still carry in me a sin nature that leads me to sin. I have to deal with sin every day. So this contrast between these two verses is how wonderful is our Lord? He can say the most, 
I'm going to spend an entire time tonight on blessed are, the, are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. That's all the Lord said, but we must expand on that. It's so profound. What mourning does, does not mean? So what does it, first of all, blessed are those who mourn. What, is it, what does it mean, not mean? Well, uh, on your outline, I've given it to you. It's not sadness because of outward losses. The world has all kinds of sadness, deep sadness. People are sad all around us. I remind you of uh, what 2 Corinthians 7.10 says. I've given it to you there. The sorrow of the world produces death. I have witnessed in my life as a pastor people who have literally died of sadness. Unsaved but sad. Are you hearing me tonight? Unsaved and sad. They've lived, not just old people. There are a lot of sad young people in the world today. Sadness is all around us. Lament and sorrow and grief. But this is not what the Lord is talking about here. He's not talking about those kinds of outward losses. Losses of a job, losses of a loved one, losses of, losses of, losses of things and possessions and whatever else you want to put. A relationship. No. No, it's deeper than that. It's not sinful. It's not a sadness because of unfulfilled sin. You know, things you've desired in the flesh to do and you didn't get to do it and so you were sad. I give you two of the most pitiful examples. I could have given you others in the Word of God. I spoke about Amnon on Sunday morning as a hater who, who raped his sister. Amnon was sad because he could not defile his sister. I quote it to you here, 2 Samuel 13, 2. Amnon was so frustrated because of his sister Tamar that he made himself ill. Lots of people are sick. And you know why they're sick? Because of sadness, because they can't fulfill their sinfulness the way they want to. King Ahab, what a pitiful king. The crying, sulking king is what I call him. You know King Ahab. King Ahab was sad because he could not get Naboth's vineyard. We read these pitiful words in 1 Kings 21.4. He laid down on his bed. Now this is the king, for heaven's sakes. He laid down on his bed. This sounds like a five-year-old. He laid down on his, his bed and turned away his face and would not eat bread. This is not what mourning is. We have lots of sadness in the world. We have lots of sad people. You deal with them. I deal with them. They have their sadness, but much of the sadness of the world is because of their sin. Sin will make you sad. And that's the condition of our world. Sadness in our sin. So what does it mean? Well, I, it means to mourn, but I, I, again, what, what, he is really, what the Lord is really talking about in mourning here has to do with repentance for our sin. The mourner repents of the sinfulness that they understand and recognize. 
So I want you to take your Bible and let's look at an example of, of mourning for sin. Go over to Luke chapter 22. If you find your place there in your Bible, I'll give you just a moment to find it. Luke 22. We find Peter as our example of mourning for sin. He's somewhere, he's somewhere here. We don't know the rest of the story, but I want you to see the, de- the depths of his mourning over his sin. Uh, Luke twenty two fifty four. Having arrested Jesus, they led him away and brought him to the house of the high priest. But Peter was following at a distance. And after they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter was sitting among them and A servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the firelight and looking intently at him, said, This man was with him too. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. Let me pause. Remember, this is the one who said, We have come to know that you have the words of life. So a little later, another saw him and said, You're one of them too. Peter said, man, I am not. After about an hour had passed, another man began to insist, saying, certainly this man also was with him, for he's a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. Immediately while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had told him before a rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. Here's the verse. Here's what it means to mourn. Here's the coming together of being poor in spirit and mourning. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Does our sin grip us? Are we so confident in the grace of God to save us and the Lord Jesus dying for our sin, we've forgotten how awful His death was for the sin you and I have committed? Yes, you must must think about the horrible, horrible picture of the sinfulness of your life just like I have to in mine. This is the only way I can be blessed is to understand how horribly I have sinned against God. It brings humility. It destroys pride and arrogance. It it removes any idea that I would know how to take care of myself without God's help. You know, an idea of being self, self-righteous or independent. You see, mourning is repentance for sin. Now we go back to 2 Corinthians 7.10. Sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret leading to salvation. That's what we're talking about here. That's Paul's way of describing what it means to mourn. I'm, I'm pausing here. I'm staying on these. I'm going to stay here for a while and talk to you on this first part of the outline about mourning because when we come to study the Word of God, you know, it's important for you to hear it, to understand it, but then to apply it. 
So you have, to, you have to hear these things. We look at them, we study them, we evaluate them. But then tonight, as you go home, you know, uh, my prayer is, is that you'll be affected by it enough that you'll say, I need to go home and think about this a little bit more. I need to consider what condition I'm in. You know, your doctor wants you to consider what condition you're in. Why, Gail over here, her doctor tells her to quit exercising. She exercises way too much. Our health demands that we pay attention to ourselves. But unless we, unless we pause to say to ourselves each day, how have I sinned? We never understand the blessedness of forgiveness and cleansing for our unrighteousness. If I have the idea that I get saved and then I don't sin anymore, I'm lying to myself. Because the fact is, even though I'm saved, I still have an old sin nature and I can stumble and fall into sin and it can happen that quick. The temptation comes as James describes it, and I yield to it, and then I sin, it's born and it corrupts. And I'm back in a distant relationship with God. He hasn't left me, but He's... I grieve the Holy Spirit. I quench the Holy Spirit's work in my life. And I'm back in a fleshly, carnal way of living that keeps me from glorifying God and pleasing Him with my life. This is the condition of Christians who fall back into sin. So we mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. It's present tense. It doesn't say blessed are those who mourned. It doesn't say blessed are those who will mourn. It says blessed are those who mourn. It's a, it's a present tense action. Verb. Mourning is repentance of sin. And gospel mourning, gospel mourning produces godly sorrow for sin and the misery of sinfulness. These are the two things that mourning focuses on. The, 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 the reality of sin, my sinfulness, and then my misery in it. You see, the poor in spirit have said, I am a sinner. But the mourner says, I still have sin in me. I am, it's what the old preachers have preached all these years. Sinners saved by grace. Had a man come correct me one time. Oh, you're not a sinner saved by, once you're in grace, you're not a sinner. Sir, you're a sinner saved by grace. You're a sinner saved by grace. As I asked him, so you say now that you're saved, you don't sin anymore? What a, what a dangerous thing. Because it leads to saying, well, I can do whatever I want. I'm saved, so it doesn't matter what I do. How did Paul say it? You know, uh, in Romans, you know, can I say that I, you know, I can sin and do whatever I want? God forbid. I'm lingering here because I want to stay around this truth and reality of sin, my dear brothers and sisters. We carry it with us to our grave. We have a body of sin. We carry it with us. 
to our grave and then praise God. We are released from it. But until then, we have it. So let's think about this a little bit more. Repentance for our sinfulness is godly sorrow that leads to our salvation. This is why he says, blessed are those who mourn. Job said at the end, I repent in dust and ashes. You know, though he did not attack and detract and, and speak against God, he sinned in the way he felt about his friends. And he himself was not, he, he, he assumed things that he did not know. And as God spoke to him and asked him multitudes of questions, we, we studied the book of Job together sometime in the past. <clears throat> and now Job says, as he's seen God, now I have not heard with my ear, he says, but I've seen with my eye. And he says... He says, I repent in dust and ashes. Mourning means that I repent deeply. Peter wept bitterly. Woe is me for I am ruined because I'm a man of unclean lips. It's the way Isaiah said it. And you see, repentance for our sinfulness recognizes our condemnation. Sin brings condemnation. Deserved condemnation. That's why, again, I repeat what I said last week. What did the Lord teach us to pray? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Repentance also is repentance for the misery of sin. It just prolongs and lingers. Now, I printed it out for you. Here's some selected portions of Romans 7, 18 to 24. I didn't put it all here, but I wanted you just to look at the language here. We looked at it last week. But I want to look at it a little bit more because here we see this language of Paul describing what it means to mourn or repent, to have gospel mourning and repentance for, over our sin. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. He's describing the sin nature. My sinful nature, nothing good dwells within me, that is, in my flesh, for the willing is present in me. I have a desire to do the right thing, but the doing of good is not present. For the good I want to do, I do not do. But I practice the very evil that I do not want. There's the misery. There's the misery. I go and I have a glorious time at church and I see everybody and I praise God and I've sung and I've Worshipped, and then I go, and as soon as I'm in some place, in a vulnerable place, when I'm not watching, when I'm not watching myself, there I am back doing the things I don't want to do, saying the things I don't want to say, thinking the things I don't want to think. I find then the principle that evil is present in me. You see, this is what, this is the language of the mourner. This is the language of the mourner. I find this principle. This is Paul now giving his personal testimony. This is true for every believer in this room. It's true for every believer on the planet. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. Yet I don't. I see a different law in my, the members of my body. Again, how does sin come out? It comes out in our body. Our hands and where we go and what we see and what we hear and 
what we say and what we think. I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin in my members. This bondage to my body, this old sin nature that's connected to my body. Wretched man that I am, and here's the phrase, here's misery, here's misery. Who will set me free from this body of death? And of course the answer is the Lord Jesus Christ, praise God, in salvation. Yes. But we're saved, but we still carry the misery of our sin. So as I say this to you, my brothers and sisters, I ask you to think, very, very, it's very important. Think about today and the misery of your sin and what it's caused you in your life today. Think about it. This is our, this is our task to know ourselves and to look and to examine ourselves. You see, when I recognize my sinfulness, I must understand, and here's number three, gospel mourning is continuous. You don't just do this one time. This is the error that some have come to. The idea, well, I'm, I repented and I got saved. Yes. And every day you repent and you ask God to forgive you of your sins. Oh, yes, you're saved. But you're a saved sinner and you still fall into sin. So what must you do? You must confess your sin, 1 John 1, 9. This is the, con this is the continuing process of walking with God and being cleansed from our sin. The misery of sin is that it, <laughs> we carry it in our body to, the, to our grave. Paul said in Romans 8, 13, if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. Listen, but if you're... If by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body and you'll live, that's what you do. You, continuous, you continuously put to death your flesh. We talked about this on Sunday mornings many moons ago. You kill the flesh. You do that by prayer, by the Word of God, by sharing the Gospel, by living and doing those deeds which God honors you, by living filled with the Spirit. You, you kill the flesh by walking in the Spirit, by living by the Spirit, by being filled with the Spirit. And as a result of living that way, my dear brothers and sisters, you cancel out and kill that ever-present danger within you and me, and that is that old body of sin. Gospel mourning is voluntary. You know, the dear woman in Luke 7, we talked about her last week, she brought that Perfume, and there was a poor in spirit. There she was, poor in spirit. And she broke it over the Lord Jesus, poured it all over him, but she came and she stood weeping. She came. She came voluntarily. James says it like this, 121, put aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness. You see, this is what I must do this. I have a responsibility. You have a responsibility. Those who mourn, those who mourn put away and put aside the filthiness of sin. Again, I cannot wrap my mind around those who say they're saved and live, as I tried to say Sunday, with a burden, I hope you heard it, with hatefulness and hatred in their heart. How can you say you're saved and live as a hateful, hating person? How can that be possible? We put aside... When I am mourning, I put aside, I, 
I come back to it. You know, you see, here's what happens. The longer you walk with God, the deeper you see the sinfulness of your old nature. And you repent of it. Paul said, Ephesians 4.22, in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self. That's it. I have a job. I confess my sin. Lord, I don't want to be like this anymore. I don't want to be the old me. I want to be the new me in Christ. I want to live as the Lord wants me to live as a new creature in Christ. I don't want to be the old me. I don't want to be the old me. And when I start to be the old me, I got to look at why I'm being the old me. The unsaved me. I'm describing gospel morning. This is what you do. You have a talk with yourself and with the Lord. You see, gospel morning is spiritual. What did David say? My sin is ever before me. And what did he say to Nathan when Nathan confronted him about his awful, wicked sin toward Bathsheba and her husband and murdering him and all of his corruption that he did? David said, I have sinned against the Lord. Like what the old preacher said, Sibs, two things must trouble us on our way to heaven. Two things must trouble us on our way to heaven. I don't have this in your notes, but I want you to just listen. Two things must trouble us on our way to heaven. Corruption within us and the cross without us, around us. In other words, outside of us. That which, that which within, that is that corruption which is within, must be denied. You say no to your corrupting flesh that wants to, the impulses to do these godless things. No, I'm not doing it. You say no. You resist. As well as you endure the crosses on the outside. That's what we do. We resist. We deny corruption on the inside and we endure the crosses God puts in our life. That is what it means to mourn. But then the good news, as I said in the beginning, believers mourn for their sinfulness while God comforts their mourning. He comforts them in their mourning. This is the experience of blessedness so let me pause and think about this with you for just a moment on number three. How does God comfort the Christian's mourning? They shall be comforted. They shall be comforted. Now we come to what we all want. What is it that little children want? They want to be loved and comforted. This word to comfort means to be consoled, encouraged, assured. And I have several things I want you to think about. First of all, God comforts as the Christian mourns. So this is the beauty of the blessedness. You say, oh, Pastor Mike, if, if I get so deeply into this and realize my deep sin, I'll just be so, I'll be so discouraged. But you have God to comfort you. This is how you experience the comfort of God. Everybody wants the comfort of God. Everybody wants the blessing of God, but they don't want to deal with the sorrow that leads to the comfort. Unless I understand and experience sadness, I'll never know the joy of comfort in Christ. 
So what is it? You have a, you know, in our family, we, you know, I'm not trying to be grotesque here, but you know, in our family we have a history of people having boils. Well, what do you have to do to the boil? Well, sometimes you have to lance it to gain any relief. The relief comes after the boil is lanced. The comfort comes when I have deeply mourned and am mourning over my seeds. We want to separate this. Well, I'll, I'll mourn and then I'll have this comfort. No, we, it happens all, it's, it's all the time happening. This is God's way with us. He comforts us in our mourning. As we're mourning, He comforts us because He sees that we are dealing seriously with our sin. God resists the proud but He gives grace to the humble. Humility comes when I know of the great capacity I have in my life to sin. Great verses of promise, Isaiah. Oh, Isaiah's filled with them. I, just, I got on Isaiah today and I thought, you know, I'm just going to give you some wonderful words from Isaiah. I will restore comfort to him and to his mourners, creating the praise of the lips, peace, peace to him who is far and to him who is near, says the Lord, I will heal him. Yes, that's what God does in comforting us. Isaiah 12, 1, Then you will say on that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for although you were angry with me, your anger is turned away and you comfort me. Isaiah 41, the whole chapter is glorious. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. See, He extends comfort to them. Isaiah 51.3, Indeed, the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort her waste places. Joy and gladness will be found in her thanksgiving and the sound of melody. That's what comes from comfort from God. No wonder we sing. Gospel mourning leads to gospel comfort from God the Father. Some of the greatest and most encouraging verses we have from Paul on this subject, 2 Corinthians uh, in chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Please look at His language. The Father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Has Paul said comfort enough? Think about the Lord Jesus when He was on the earth and the agonies and struggles of His life from the temptations to other times, the ones we have recorded. And what did the Lord, what did God the Father do? He sent the angels to comfort and minister to the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus, listen, the Lord Jesus on the earth knew what it was like to experience the comfort of God. Now I'm going to ask you, do you? Do you? Have you experienced the comfort of God? Well, gospel comfort comes, you see, it's the, the Father comforts us with all comfort in all our afflictions so that we'll be able to comfort others who are in their afflictions with the comfort that we've been given by God. We're comforted by God so we can comfort others. Gospel comfort comes through the Holy Spirit. I, I love uh, Acts 9.31. 
it was a conclusion to a section of the book of Acts. We've looked at the book of Acts together. So it's a, it's a conclusion of the, what's going on in the success of the early church. So the church throughout Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace, being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord. Look at this. And the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it continued to increase. The church was living in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. That's what I pray for this church. The comfort of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comforts his the comfort of the Holy Spirit, I am convinced, is what produces the fruit of the Spirit in us. The fruit of the Spirit comes as a result of this comforting of the Holy Spirit. And we what do we do? We 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 express love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Oh, the glorious blessing. What is it Paul says in Romans 5? We've quoted it so often to you. When Paul's talking about tribulations and proven character, and then he says, and hope does not disappoint. Romans 5, 3. For the Holy Spirit has poured out the love of God within our heart. What, what else do you need? Amen. When you go home and you're facing your hardest day, and you've looked at your life and you know that you're not where you ought to be with God, but you confess it to Him, the Holy Spirit comes quickly to say, and you are loved greatly by God. This is the comforting of God. Gospel comfort comes through the presence of the Lord Jesus. I'm with you always. What Paul said, I gave it to you here, 2 Corinthians 1.5, just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, describing what he was going through as an apostle, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. Do you know the abundant comfort of God through the Lord Jesus Christ? And gospel comfort comes through gospel promises. I, I just gave you this once because it's so famous. Come to me. The Lord Jesus said, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, isn't it when you're comforted, you can finally rest. You know, a lot of people don't rest very well, do they? I'm not talking about number of hours of sleep. I'm talking about their mind. Comfort brings peace of mind. So we rely upon, this. you see, this is what God does. The Lord makes it clear here, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. The, the response of God to comfort always comes to those who genuinely mourn. You don't have to ask for it. It's given to you. That's why you live in blessedness. This is blessedness. You hear me, folks? This is blessedness. This is the way God intends for us to... Blessed are the poor in spirit. They're going to heaven. And blessed are those who mourn, because they shall be comforted. So I leave this tonight with three, uh, two thoughts there at the bottom. There is no gospel comfort without gospel sorrow. Why do we have to look so strongly at, at the... Why do we have to look in the... In the Word of God and clearly see sin and sinfulness? Why do we have to look at it when we gather? And why do we have to preach on these things and talk about them? Because without sorrow, godly sorrow for our sin, 
there can be no gospel comfort. Only Christians mourn over their sin and sinfulness. Did you know that? Only Christians. Everybody else makes an excuse. Or pretends like it doesn't exist. So I leave you with these words. Blessed are those who mourn. For they shall be comforted. Amen. Amen. To the praise of the glory of His grace, the Lord is near to the door. Come, Lord Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the wonderful truth. The Lord has given to us this pearl, this beautiful truth. Thank You, Lord, that You make me sad in order that I might be joyful and glad in Jesus. Thank you, for, thank you for showing me my sinfulness so that I might enjoy gospel comfort through the Holy Spirit. Thank you for revealing to us the, the capacity, the great capacity we have to sin greatly so that we might always yield ourselves to you and rely upon you so that we might live in victory. Oh, the sweetness in my mourning and sadness over my sinfulness and my misery and my sin, You comfort me. You comfort my friends here. May we never ever take that for granted. Heaven is our destination and our home. And while we're on the way in our mourning for our sinfulness, You comfort us. We thank You for that, how special that is. We treasure it all the days of our life. Now bless these as they go and help us to be able to gather again soon. And we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. Good to see all of you. And say hello to somebody you might not know tonight. Look around and got them all the way to the back. And, and uh, Lord willing, see you soon. God bless you. You want me to keep going? Are you all ready? We can keep going. All right. <laughs>